It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca. I've got Brent with me. I've got Shaney B with me. And I'm loving the guests I have on today. I'm live in the studio. This is not a pre-recorded show. Um, but I'm loving having, you know, Becky Griffin this morning from the University of Georgia talking about some great ways to discover new varieties of plants and planning ahead for 2022. And I also linked onto my Facebook page. When you search Facebook, search Green and Growing WSB. Put the link there to the Great Georgia Pollinator Census website that she promotes with us frequently throughout the year. But resources for educators. Oh, my goodness. I love the STEM work that they're doing and lesson plans for teachers already made out. So check out Facebook, Green and Growing WSB. Um, And I think someone did call and ask if I post any of my show information online. That's going to be the best place is that Facebook page. I do not have a website yet uh, with show notes or anything. I don't know that I'm going to do that. But someone that I could call if I needed help on how to start a website is Joe Lample. <laughs> because JoeGardner.com is one of the best gardening websites. And WalterReeves.com, two of my yeah. faves, two that are bookmarked, guaranteed. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> so welcome back. I'm glad you're with us this morning, Joe. Uh, having a great conversation. Of course, we always do. Like. For those of you who don't realize, Joe and I have known each other now for a number of years, thanks to Walter. And when I would guest host the Lawn and Garden show when Walter would be out, Joe would oftentimes come in and sit with me and help, you know, facilitate. I was just the moderator. Um, and you would really be the one to answer the caller's questions and things. But our friendship, I hope, comes through on the radio because we were really, really friends. I admire Joe so much. And so we're just having a good time. I mean, y'all are eavesdropping on a conversation that Joe and I would probably be having on the phone. <laughs> those are the best. Yes. Eavesdropping on those conversations. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly. Well said, Ashley. And now what I loved is, you know, when you knew that I was getting the show and taking over for Walter, um, you and your staff were so kind in reaching out to me and really making sure I had some resources I had my footing and all of that stuff. And I was so proud to then discover the Joe Gardner Online Gardening Academy. And I mean, I'm not just talking, oh, go on Joe's website and watch PowerPoint slides and you'll learn a lot. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. That's that's not it. Master Seed Starting is my favorite. Um, but tell mm-hmm. folks about how you do these modules and these classes and how they can maybe gift one to themselves or gift one to the gardener that they love for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that came about because, you know, as much information as we were cranking out, um, people really wanted to go deeper on content, such as, you know, how to start seeds at a, at a, from a beginner to an advance. Uh, so we thought, well, what, how can we do that? And so we started thinking, well, you know, creating an online platform with online learning these days, it's easier than ever. So we started rolling up our sleeves and creating a syllabus and an outline and what we thought we needed to cover and, and with our, with our, access to our media through our television cameras and through our microphones and everything. I mean, we have everything that we need to create a a total immersion experience with online learning with video and, you know, PowerPoint keynote and, um, you know, the accessibility of that these days is easier than ever. So we're about four years in now to the, on the online gardening Academy, um, five courses currently available with new ones in production right now. But Master Seed Starting is by far our uh, our students' favorite and most popular because they just love the 
uh, experience and everything that they've learned. And we hear every day from people that thought they knew everything about seed starting that have learned a lot since then. And now they've got more seedlings than they know what to do with. So that's coming up. The the relaunch of that is uh, late January. But the best way to to learn more about that is, again, joegardener.com slash learn will take you to the, the landing page for the academy. And if people want to be notified when the course goes live so that they can decide then whether or not they want to enroll, that's just joegardener.com slash notify. Okay. And that's all they need to know. Gosh, that's really simple. And, I mean, they, they could. They could set it up, pay for the course for themselves or someone else and be ready. And there are topics that are probably going to be of interest to everyone. And, Joe, I know this one. This was another good one, but I know this isn't timely right now but the growing epic tomatoes one like yeah. you i could tell had so much fun with that course too uh, that was a unique one because we part i partnered with craig lahoulier the craig dr craig lahoulier author of the best-selling book called epic tomatoes and we created that course together and so i went to his place and outside of Asheville, north carolina three or four times and he came down here for the same and we had a ball talking about two friends yucking it up and, and <laughs> teaching as we go and that was it, and uh, a really wonderful experience. But that one relaunches on the heels of, ma- of, of Master Seed starting, so that'll be a February relaunch. And um, so, yeah. You know, and I think um, if if COVID did no good at all, one good thing or bright spot that did come out of it, and for me too, I mean, that being my first year hosting this show, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to go out and do the classes and really, you know, community-engaged stuff I would have otherwise done, but really hunkering down and learning from the computer, almost putting yourself in a classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. I I love that now that's kind of where the trend is going when folks want to learn. You know, they can find YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thing. But that trend lends itself so well to how you have prepared these online courses. Um, You work at your own pace. You know, you, you can go back and look at different modules if you need to learn things again. And once you've signed up, you do always have access to that one course. Yeah, it's lifetime access, but I think okay. the thing that differentiates us and, and, and what really sets us apart, same thing, but is the um, ongoing access to, to me and my team afterwards through weekly office hours. So it's basically live Zoom calls for the students of that course, typically once a week through that season, and they submit their questions in advance, and then we get on for about 90 minutes every week. Uh, you know, scheduled ahead of time, and we hang out, and I go through those questions, and we talk about it, and we share screens, and it's it's most people's like a lot of people in the in the course say they come for the content and stay for the community, and that's Aww. part of the community access to it. Is we don't just we don't just offer the course, we offer the experience ongoing, and then as we update it, they've got that access, and they don't get cut off from the office hours. If they're a student in the course, they can be taking office hours five years from now from that course. And there's never, you know, we're never coming back to them and say, hey, it's time to up and renew your tuition. No, yeah. just, that was a one-time thing, and, it, you know, it works. Gosh, so organized. I mean, it's a well-oiled machine. So joegardner.com slash learn to get to that. And also another link, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but that I found <laughs> really good on your website, joegardner.com slash gift guide. Um, and I tried to do that oh. for folks a couple weeks ago. Here's the books that I like. Here's some of the garden mm-hmm. tools that I, so that's kind of much the same, right? As far as some of your great gift ideas for folks who are beating their head against the wall, like I don't know what to get them. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, or for themselves. It's yes, a curated yes. list. You know, they could they could share that with the person that say, what do you want for Christmas or the holidays this year? And they could just give them that link. But that's something that we continue to refine every year. We look, you know, it's something we started years ago. And each year we go through it and we refine it and update it and re- refresh the links and get rid of stuff that just isn't relevant anymore. But uh, it's updated for this year. And I know we're coming on quick and fast and furiously into the season we're there, but uh, there's still time. But that list will give anybody that's kind of stuck on what to do or what to get uh, a, a, a list of great ideas, including a separate section for best books, you know, favorite reads and so forth. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a yeah. great resource. So I'll share that on the Green and Growing Facebook page as well. Great. Um, a couple of minutes before you leave, I'm speaking with Joe Lample, Joe Gardner, uh, JoeGardner.com, and of course the television show Growing a Greener World. So that's the website yeah. there. Um, us talking, you know, you're talking about yucking it up with friends and people in the industry. And uh, I know you've had conversations and I just brought this up to you. Um, Doug Tallamy, who is well known mm-hmm. in the industry as well. And kind of that thought process of you and I wanted to talk about natives and being conscientious mm-hmm. gardeners and things like that. And really him putting out the book that he did, Nature's Best Hope, really yeah. is a new approach to um, conservation, you know, and the way we should garden. So I want to talk to you about what are some of your favorite like ecological practices as far as what you put into place when you're planting your garden, Joe, or doing your yep. landscape? Yep. And, I'll, uh, you know, kudos to Doug. Yeah. He's, he's really blazing a path and getting us to think uh, smarter about what we do. So when I'm making a plant choice, for example, and I'm going to do a shrub or a tree, what shrub or tree can I plant that's going to please me uh, and at the same time, serve wildlife. Because if you think about pollinators and beneficial insects, they've co-evolved with these native plants that have that have been indigenous to the same area. And they depend on that for their food source and their shelter and their nectar and their pollen. And, and you know, we need to be thinking about what are those plants and trees that we can plant that serve not only ourselves, but them as well. Because in the face of habitat destruction and, you know, encroachment and, the things that are happening out there, it's incumbent upon us, I feel, that we we're mindful of that. And so we can do our part to help that along. And again, there's a lot of beautiful, amazing native trees and shrubs and perennials out there that serve, you know, our, our aesthetic needs as mm-hmm. well as providing those important resources for wildlife. And so that's number one. And then, yeah, well, that's that right there. I'll stop and, and take a breath and let you, I don't know if you have a follow-up question of that, but that's a big one right there. That's perfect. Being good stewards. And when we come back, I want to ask you in this thought of, you know, conservation gardening and being mindful of the environment, the impact that we live on the environment as well. I want you to define for me because, you know, there's keywords and trendy words in gardening and folks that are just new to gardening who listen to the show who are discovering who you are or people that already knew you know joe gardner for years and they're just discovering my show biodiversity and what that means and why that does not have to really be a big intimidating you know word or concept for folks so we'll have a few more minutes with joe lample here we'll be right back you're listening to ashley frasca it's green and growing on wsb
And we're back on 95.5 WSB. Good morning, Ashley Frasca. Happy New Year's Day. Uh, I don't know what the circumstances are that you're up early on a Saturday morning, New Year's Day, but I'm glad you are approaching the halfway mark of the show. And uh, Joe Lamp will still with us for just the next couple of minutes. We have. We've covered a lot of topics with the listeners, Joe, and I appreciate your knowledge and your time more than you know. But I wanted to kind of put you on the spot because you are such a wise gardener and such a conscientious and curious gardener, uh, biodiversity and us talking about, you know, being conscious of planting and natives and pollinators and things like that. What does that mean mm. to you, biodiversity? Oh, man. Okay. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah. But I, I'm good with that. I use that word a lot, too. And I think we hear it and we don't really stop to think what that really means. And to me, and I'm just going to wing it here, but I think about breaking that down and the root word is diversity. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if you if you think about monoculture or monocropping versus a diverse environment, that's a healthier ecosystem because diversity draws in um, more wildlife that's going to help us. Because Mother Nature, let me tell you what, she's got it figured out. Ninety-seven percent of the insects out there are beneficial or neutral. They're not pests. So the more of those that we can draw in, as an example, the more diverse that growing environment that is under our watch the healthier our environment's going to be. And so, you know, above ground, just talking about those pollinators and those beneficial predatory insects is an example. But also along the way, in that diverse environment, we're attracting uh, more caterpillars, which are going to feed more birds. And so if we're trying to attract more birds, we need to do that by creating a more diverse environment that's bringing in their food sources. And while we're there, we need to be more conscientious about, how we're taking care of those things under our watch. So that's where the bio part comes in. What are we doing to keep our gardens healthy and our soil thriving so those plants can grow and be productive and bountiful? Well, we need to think about compost and what we're putting into the soil to make it that environment. And what are we using to control that 3% club of those insects and, and that are actually pests? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we using to to, to control them. Are we manually picking them off? Are we just r- routinely reaching for a chemical that's going to spray and kill them? But in addition, everything else, because most of those chemicals yeah. are non-selective, they're broad spectrum. So they don't know the difference between the good guys and the bad guys. So I, it's just thinking outside the, the garden box and what doing what we can do to be better stewards. I love our pets and I hate this expression, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. So you're absolutely yeah. right. Chemicals and sprays are right. not the number one go-to. There are so many other ways to combat some of these issues. Joe Lample, thank you so much for your time today. I really hope that we helped you out, introduced maybe some new folks to you. Uh, tell us again where to find you. JoeGardener.com is a great place on Instagram. I'm at Joe Gardener. And I'm posting from my garden and my travels a lot. And so that would be two good places to start. And we're lucky, guys. He's a national host, a national television show host, but he's based right here in Metro Atlanta. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again soon. Oh, I hope so. Absolutely fantastic time in the garden with Joe. And we'll have some adventures coming up this spring together, no doubt. Stay tuned. It's Greeny Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 
Here we are back with you, and I'm live in the WSB radio studio on a Saturday morning. 404-872-0750. I've got Brent with me. I've got Shaney B. You get to talk to the famous Shaney B. When you call to be on Green and Growing today, that is a treat. Got a good question from Kristen in Woodstock about her lantana, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I wanted to bring on Becky Griffin, the Community and School Garden Coordinator and uh, Certified Beekeeper. My gosh, Pollinator Health Program Associate, all the great things you do. I don't even know if I got half of your title, Becky. (laughs) (laughs) I think that about covers it. Uh, Good morning, Ashley. How are you this morning? Very good. UGA, Georgia Mountain Research and Education Center, gardener extraordinary. My goodness, we finally got to meet, spend a lot of time together when I came up to see you in Blairsville. Um, What a great day that was. That was. And we got to see the beehives and all of that. And I learned so much. But really, you know, every time I talk to you, I learn something. So selfishly, I'm like, I'm going to use Becky as the medium to teach the listeners a thing or two because I know you've got some good information to share with us for sure. So when you and I kind of put our heads together, one of your ideas was garden planning for 2022. Mm -hmm. And, you know, folks may have just heard me say, you know, maybe keep a journal, start storing some seeds because you're trying to think ahead. But I'm the guy that wishes I had kept notes, that wishes... I had written down, you know, when did I start my tomato seeds? When did I put those things in the garden? How long did it take for my bell peppers, you know, from once they started flowering to when I got fruit? Um, so I know you are more organized than I. So what is <laughs> one of the most basic things you do to plan and to think ahead? Well, um, my number one advice is for anybody in the state of Georgia is to, when you go visit one of our amazing gardens, whether it's the State Botanical Garden in Athens or the big botanical gardens in Atlanta, there are several smaller gardens that are more local, like Kennesaw has that great Smith Gilbert Gardens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the Coastal Botanical Gardens in Savannah, and even the local extension offices have demonstration gardens. And why I think that's so important is you can see what grows well in your area uh, with a little bit of maintenance. Um, how well it does, what does it look like, how would it look in your landscape. And if it's growing down the street, chances are it can grow in your garden as well. If you look at a lot of the national television shows that talk about growing things like lilacs, they're not going to grow well here. You need to look local. So anytime you visit one of those gardens, take a picture. Now, a lot of us do that. So the first thing is thumb through those old pictures. Who did you visit this summer? What did you like? So much that you took a picture. Make a note of that plant for your 2022 garden. So that's my number one advice I give everybody. Take advantage of those plantings that are already there. That's that's great advice. And taking pictures, too, because now with the advent of smartphones, when you've gone to visit a friend, like when I went to visit you in Blairsville, or you saw a plant on the side of the road and you took a picture of it, it's got the date, right? So you're able mm-hmm. to look back at your phone and be like, ooh, that plant was in full bloom when I took this picture in May, or wow, my bell pepper looked really good and I took a very hot picture of my vegetables, you know, come July <laughs> right. or something. I mean, my phone yeah. has more pictures of plants and things than social life. Oh, yeah. So, hey, I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> that's right. I have a lot of insects on my phone, as you can imagine. <laughs> yes. And also, too, I mean, if you're an avid gardener and you have a lot of Facebook friends and followers who are with you on that, posting stuff and sharing things. And I've found myself to do that. You know, I go back and look at the Green and Growing Facebook page. 
to to mm-hmm. kind of catalog when I documented something that I did. And then that's super helpful to just have it out there. Right. Our Facebook page, the Georgia Pollinator Census Facebook page, has tons of pictures of people who post plants. And then they say, what is this plant? It attracts a lot of really nice butterflies. Or where do I get this plant? So, yes, you're right. Social media is. And you can scroll backwards, like you were mentioning, to, to see what was posted back in the summer or the fall when things were really blooming. Another interesting thing is, I don't know about your listeners, but my seed catalogs have already started coming in. Yep. It used to be we didn't get those till after Christmas, so uh, I haven't looked at them. I'm savoring that for after the holidays. But looking through those and reading about them and comparing what you see in those seed catalogs to what um, the, your local experts have said will grow well there is really a fun thing to do on a cold winter day. And I always tell people, especially vegetable growers, try something new. You know, if you haven't ever grown eggplant, give that a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't grown lettuce, you're missing out. Pick some of those crazy lettuce names like Drunken Woman (laughs) or um, Arugula Rocket and add that to your list. And if they work out, great. You have something new. And if they don't, well, you learn something. So gardening is supposed to not just be productive. We're supposed to be having fun with it, right? Yeah, it should not be a chore. You should be enjoying doing it. Now, the garden catalogs that you get, um, are they, you know, you don't have to say any names, but are they published by a national publisher? Like, how do I know if I've never looked at a seed catalog before, how do I know that the seeds in there are targeted for my region? A couple things. Most importantly, um, learn your zone. What zone are you in? Are you in 7A, 7B, uh, which most of your listeners probably are, and that is going to be listed in the catalog next to the plant description. So that's going to be help you narrow down what plants should grow well in your area. I like to try and use local, uh, you know, southeast seed companies um, are always helpful because I know that they've um, they've trialed their seeds in the southeast, which is helpful because, you know, we have the fungal capital of the United States, it seems. So you want to make sure you try and get disease resistance. So those are some hints to kind of help you narrow down what your choices should be. That is really going to be fun. And I mean, I know a lot of gardeners who I can picture the day that they curl up with a cup of coffee or a glass of Mm -hmm. wine, they curl up with that seed catalog and they get so excited planning ahead because it's all about the future, right? It's all about what you have to look forward to. You know, you're planting a tree now to enjoy it for decades to come. Same with your garden. You just get excited. So that is good advice. Thank you, Becky. And of course, um, for those people who um, know me and my, my projects, we have the Pollinator Plants of the Year program, which is out of the State Botanical Gardens. And um, every year we recommend four plants and work with nurseries to have those available. And if you see those in your nursery, then you can purchase those uh, come springtime knowing that they would be good for your garden. Um, You can uh, ask your local nursery uh, if they can get them. But that's a Georgia program that supports Georgia nurseries, Georgia growers, and is guaranteed success with wonderful pollinator, beautiful landscape plants as well. Now, is that something that folks visit the website and they vote on as their favorites? Anyone can nominate a plant. The people who do the voting are the people who really know those plants, and they can say, well, I don't know, that one does tend to maybe not do well in the south of the the state, or this one may end up getting powdery mildew, and we don't want that. So the people who do the voting are the ones who are going to be um, the little, the more experts who want to weed out any potential problems. See what I did there? Weed out <laughs> any potential problems um, so that the plants that go forward 
are really no-brainers for the Georgia Garden. That's perfect. What a good program. Now, what's the website or how do folks get to see the plants of the year? Just Google State Botanical Gardens. It's the one in Athens, and they have an amazing native plant um, group uh, headed up by Heather Alley, and they're the uh, purveyors of this program. And then there's several of us who are uh, partners with it. And then we work with growers and nursery people across the state. And now do you sometimes find, Becky, that some of those plants kind of what's old is new again? I mean, do classics come back and folks are kind of rediscovering them after a generation or two? Yes. Uh, As a matter of fact, we'll have the grand announcement for the next ones uh, coming up in January. And uh, there's one or two in that list that are my grandmother would know. Wow. But we, yes, and that's fun. And we started, the, the program came about because we can't find some of these. Like everyone loves butterfly weed, the orange tuberosa, but you couldn't find it at a local nursery. And you should be able to, right? So we kind of started this program to make those, those plants that we think you should find findable with uh, growers and the nursery people. So that's just another way to kind of think ahead, plan some space for some of those plants when you're looking at adding to your garden or or making a brand new flower garden. Now, and that's funny because it's interesting with the supply and demand, right? You know, a lot of gardeners will discover plants that then once they start clamoring for them, nurseries may go into a scramble and go, wow, this one plant's really taken off. You know, we need to increase our inventory. But by the same token, to really help and support the local nurseries, You know, they may have these plants that are native, that are wonderful, that people aren't just as well educated as they should be about them. So that's, too, where your group comes in. You know, look, this is native. They're already growing this. It's cost effective. It's perennial. It's whatever. And educating folks, that is a good plant. They've got plenty of supply. Go get it. You know, run with it. So I like that it goes both ways. And if a grower wants to grow something and has no experience, the people at the State Botanical Gardens are there as a resource to help supply them with information or um, uh, plant starts or anything like that. So if a grower is interested, they just contact the state botanical gardens to get in on the program. Nice. So it is, uh, It's you know, rarely in the world do we have a win-win-win, you know, where everybody wins. But I like this program for people who are planting their gardens, for um, those who are retailers and those who are growers. It's a win for everyone. That's awesome. Well, hey, if you need an MC on the big night and everyone's going to be in black tie when the announcements are made of the winners, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I, I know you have credentials there, so we will keep you in mind. I will present the award to the luckiest plants. That's fantastic coming up in January. Okay. Well, Becky, before we go to break, I am going to bring you right back, but I wanted your help. Speaking of planning ahead and thinking in the garden and all of that, we've got Kristen on the line. Um Brent, if you don't mind, lock Becky in so I don't lose her, but I want to keep Becky on the phone at the same time. Kristen from Woodstock, you are hanging on. Good morning. Yes. Hi. Good morning to you. A quick question. I have a huge butterfly garden, and I have two very large lantana. I mean, they're seven feet tall. And normally by now, I would have cut them back to the ground almost. But I haven't done that, and I see little critters kind of running in and out, and I'm wondering... Are they going to winter there? Should I leave them as is, or will that hurt once I do cut them back in the spring? 
I love, Kristen, that you're already thinking ahead to that. And Becky, you know, we talked about, we need to start thinking about planning ahead, when to prune, when things are going to grow back and all of that. Oh, we lost Becky. She'll be right back. But yeah, Kristen, I mean, I like that you're observing that because months ago I was telling folks as things were still flowering, it was a good idea to leave them because they're still an energy source for some of the birds if they go to seed or they're an energy source for some of the bees that were still flying around. So if it aesthetically doesn't bother you, I would go ahead and just leave them and let them be. Because, yeah, I mean, it provides shelter. It provides a little bit of warmth for some of the critters and all of that. So um, it's not hurting anything, but if it's just tough to look at or it's one of those <laughs> things where the lantana is overgrown, you know, you probably need to start the pruning process slowly but surely of reducing it a little bit if that's, you know, for size. But I would say leave it. I think that's great you observe that. Okay, as long as the HOA will let me leave them, I'll do it. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. Gosh, that can be pesky sometimes. We will be back with Becky Griffin as well. Green and Growing on WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Glad to be back with my friend Becky Griffin, who does so much good in educating students and local teachers and really getting things hands on. So, Becky, we talked about, you know, notes for educators, maybe. What are some ideas mm -hmm. you have in ways to inspire them? Well, the number one thing for educators is they have to be able to tie whatever they're doing in the garden to the curriculum. And sometimes that can be a little daunting. So some ideas are just thinking out of the box. If you're a literature teacher, think about how the garden can relate to literature. Like, for example, the book Sarah Plain and Tall. Everyone knows that book. Sarah traveled west and missed home so badly she planted a garden. Well, you can replicate that garden and use it to teach literature, teaching that book, maybe doing some, some plant or insect haku in the garden. If you're a history teacher, wow. Um, Thomas Jefferson's garden can, you know, some of those pea projects that he did that he was famous for can be replicated in your garden. And, of course, I have to say that um, if you're doing STEM lessons, definitely connect with the Georgia Pollinator Census. We have lesson plans on our website. We're adding more all the time. The teachers that participate not only have a STEM experience in August and counting, they can follow up year-round with lessons. Um, so those are ideas, just thinking outside the box to not just make it, okay, we're in the garden for the garden's sake. How can we tie that into what we're already teaching? So where, where would they get the lesson plans? I mean, obviously they can come up with their own, but just to kind of get that spark and y'all already have some created, how do they find that? Right. Um, teachers don't want to come up with their own lesson plans. <laughs> they are just swamped. They're in survival mode still. Yeah. So if they go to the um, Pollinator Census website, which is G G A pc.org and um, tune in we're adding new lesson plans we're also coming up with a very interesting stem challenge with the um, georgia conservation districts oh. this year and that's going to be announced on valentine's day so we understand the problems that teachers have that their time is valuable their frustration level is through the roof and we want to help them meet their goals in the easiest way possible that's fantastic. And Becky, if you don't mind, I'm going to link over to the Great Georgia Pollinator Census website so that any teachers that are listening uh, will be able to find some of those resources. You've done the work for them. I appreciate everything you do and the passion that you've got. Thank you for joining me today. 
Well, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure. Becky Griffin, we'll definitely have you back. I look forward to a visit. Green and Growing on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.